0: This Torah class is brought to you by TorahAnytime.com So, uh, that was very moving. Thank you. Did hear from many of you that although the project was very nice, it doesn't seem to uh, to explain anything that happened this past Shabbos in Pittsburgh. Everybody wants to know what, what... why did it happen? What's, uh, you know, what's the message of that? Well, I'm sure you all know that uh, I'm not an avi, and therefore there's no way I can tell you. But <clears throat> I will tell you, other than day, Nafshay. Everyone knows the bitterness of their soul. Everybody knows what it is they have to improve on. If there's something that you think you have to improve on, you're probably right. None of us are perfect. We all have something. Whether you have to be nice at others, whether well, you have to smile more to people, whether well, you have to improve your kibbutz of aim, your behalf to whether you have to give more tzedakah, you have to learn more Teirah, use your time to think more into learning, Davin better, your Shemir Seinayim, your Chesed, all these are things we definitely could improve on. We have no Navi today. You know, people sometimes wonder, what is it that we're missing that we don't have the Beg Semikdash? You don't have a Navi. You know, it used to be if you're walking down the street and you you stubbed your toe, you go to the Navi and say, why did it happen to you? Why did I stub my toe? And the Navi would tell you, I don't know, uh, two days ago you made a bracha shahakal and you didn't have the proper gavan when you said Hashem's name. But we don't have a Navi today. You now you stick your hand in your pocket to take out... Uh, a nickel, and you take out a quarter instead. That's frustrating. Why did that happen? Didn't Hashem make a perfect world? A world that's good for us, that's easy? The answer is yes, He did. But unfortunately, we don't always do what's right. If in the times of a novi, you'd stick your hand in your pocket and you took out a quarter instead of a nickel, you'd go to the navi and say, I don't understand. I stuck my hand in my pocket to take out a a nickel. Why did a quarter come out? And the navi would look at you, and he would tell you what it is that you have to improve. We don't have a Navi today. Therefore, we can't even guess of what happened last week in Pittsburgh on Shabbos. And 11 Yidin were killed. But Hashem still did it. People ask, why? Why did Hashem let this happen? That's not what we say. We know there's one word Hashem never uses. And that's the word oops. Hashem never says oops. Oh, you I can't believe that happened obviously that's the Ratz in Hashem. And if it's the Ratz in Hashem, there's something we can learn from it. You, know, you may hear some people saying, well, those those Jews, they drove to Shol on Shabbos. Or, there are many halachas, they not follow by marriage. These are the Jews we're supposed to uh, be all concerned about. And it's amazing, because by that standard, We can't say there were 6 million Kedashim killed by the Holocaust. How many of them were Shem and Shabbos, meticulously cared for Shabbos? So we're going to say there are the 2 million Kedashim that were killed? That's not our Messiah. If a Jew is killed because he's a Jew, they were killed, Al-Kedash Hashem. And they go straight to Gennadim. And that's why there were 6 million Yedin, 6 million Jews murdered, by the Nazis, by the Holocaust. In the same exact vein, our tells us there were 11 Kedashim killed last Shabbos. 11 Jews were killed in Shul on Shabbos because they were Jews for no other reason. They represented Klay that's us. And therefore, there is plenty for us to learn from that. In you know, the early 1920s, in the middle 1920s, there was a big tzaddik who lived in Shara Chesim Shalim. His name was Rav Yaakov Volk. And Rav Yaakov Volk had a tremendous passion for Eretz Yisrael. But Whenever you love something so much, you want to share it with others. And he would travel around the United States very often, to different communities, going to different shuls, and telling them how beautiful Eretz Yisrael is. And even though Eretz Yisrael then didn't look like it looks today, the ability to, to make pranasa and to Drive around with roads and trains and food and yeshivas and kailam and everything. He still said, Go to Eretz Yisrael, Eretz Yisrael is beautiful. a Herz Yisrael, that's where you can serve Hashem the best. You can learn the best, do the mitzvahs the best. Mitzvahs, please, as we're learning about now. And one time he was in Chicago, he was in a shul, and he was giving his plea about the yeshivas of Eretz Yisrael. And there was a fellow over there named Yachmiel Waxler. Yachmiel Waxler, he was a wealthy man, he's a wealthy fellow. And he took this message to heart. he went over to him afterwards, he said, I want to go, help me out. And Folk, Yaakov Folt, arranged for a trip to Eretz for this family. And the Waxler family came to Eretz The Waxler family came to Eretz they toured Eretz one of the main communities at that time was in Hebron. When they came to Hebron to see the community in Hebron, at that time the Slovatka Yeshiva moved from Slobodka from Europe, to Hebron. And there were 200 Talmidim learning the Yeshiva at the time. Of the 200 Talmidim, almost 40 Talmidim, approximately, were from America. The Waxers had a son, and this son very much wanted to go and join the yeshiva. His son Yaakov, Yaakov Waxer. He was at that. Yaakov Waxer. He was 16 years old, and he wanted to join the yeshiva, and his father was convinced, and he allowed him to stay. That took place in March of 1928, and Yaakov joined the yeshiva, and he grew tremendously. He learned and he learned. He transformed himself into into a new person. From the amount of learning that he did. Unfortunately, in the summer of 1929, the Arabs. Doing what they do, we're agitating, and word started to spread there's going to be a pogrom. This was all over Israel. The people in Cavern who were friendly with the Arabs spoke to some of their friends, the Arabs, and the Arabs said, nah, it's not going to happen. Not going to happen here in Cavern, you're safe. But they were lying. Because that Friday, April 23rd, 1929, the Arabs started to riot, and there's a pogrom. They started to beat the Yidin and kill the Yidin. And the British who were in charge at the time didn't want to do anything. As I explained later, they didn't want to enrage the Arabs even more. And then it stopped as evening came and the people started to go into the house of the head of the community, a person named Don Slonim. Eliezer Don Slonim. And they thought they would be safe in his house because he's very good with the Arabs. But that Shabbos morning, They stormed his house, and they butchered all the Yidin in that house. They killed as many as they could, and by the time the British decided to step in, there were 67 Yidin killed, many injured. Of those 67 Yidin who were killed, there were 24 Yeshiva Bochum who were killed. One of those Bochum who were killed was his fellow Yaakov Wexler, the boy from Chicago. If you go today to Chevron, go to the old cemetery, you'll see right in the middle there's a long slab for all those Kadesh they're buried together in different individual graves. But the 24 Bachner of one long slab. You go there, you see the name Yaakov Wexler who's buried there with them. And now, Rabbi Yaakov Wolk was scared to go back to Chicago because he was scared to meet Mr. Wexler whose son died because he convinced him to go to Yisrael. And one time he was in New York and he happened to meet Mr. Wexler. And Mr. Wexler went over to him and he says, Revolt, we don't see you in Chicago anymore, what's going on? And Revolt starts to cry and he says, I'm so sorry, I'm embarrassed to meet you because, because of what happened. And Mr. Wexler says, what are you talking about? So Volk says, what do you mean? Your son died because I convinced you to go to Eretz role. Mr. Wexler looks at him and says, what are you talking about? He says, my son died at 17. That was Hashem's plan, that he should die at 17. How he would die was up to us. Maybe he was going to die in a car accident. Maybe he was going to get mugged on the streets of Chicago. But because of you, Revolt, my son was killed in Eretz Yisrael, in Hebron, as yeshiva bachar, learning Tyra. He died on Kiddush Hashem. What more can I ask for? I'm so thankful to you. And that's what he told Revolt. And I think that's a very important lesson for us. We don't know Hashem's reasoning and it doesn't really make a difference. What that murderer did, he's going to get punished. We live in a Medina Shal Chesed, in a beautiful country. They're going to take care of him. And then the rest, what he deserves, the Kodesh Baruch Hu will take care of him. And the next world in he will get it. But if we think about it, what an amazing skus. these 11 Kedaisha must have had. Obviously their time in this world for whatever reason, it was set up then, to come to an end at that time. But Hashem gave them this chus in their death to be Mikdash Shem Shamayim. They weren't from. They drove to Shul. There were marriage issues. Where do you want to find a Jew Shabbos morning, if not in Shul? These Yedin went to Shul Shabbos morning. Why did they go to Shul Shabbos morning? Where else do you want to find a Jew? To get closer to Kaddish Baruch Hu And while on the Shabbos this morning they were in Shul, getting close to Kaddish Baruch Hu the best way they knew how, someone came and slaughtered them only because they were a year. And of course, the message may be security is very nice and security is very important. Others will take care of that. But our job is to go and to improve on ourselves and to learn a lesson from this. And this Kiddush Hashem should resonate with us that we should be Mekad Hashem Shemayim and that this shouldn't have to happen anymore that Kosh Baruch Hu has to go and make other Kiddush Hashem for us to make a Kiddush Hashem. So i to end with one thing. We you know by Kriyus Yamsuf the, every Shev it went in separately. Every Shev it had their path. But we all know that's because we don't all serve Hashem the exact same way. Every Shevet has their way of serving Hashem. And that's not a Bidi Yavid. That's Luchat Khilah. Hashem made us all different. And it's in our differences that we serve Hashem that we bring Kovat to Hashem. And that's why they were, each one had its own path in the Yamsuf. But the question is, asked Imam the is there was another Nais that in the walls between each Shevet, it froze. It was frozen. You could stick your hand and take some water out, but it was frozen. It would melt when you wanted water, otherwise it was frozen. But it was see-through. Now that's a miracle, because when ice freezes, you can't see through it. Why did Qashbaruch Baruch Hu make an extra nace that wasn't necessary? What was the purpose of it? If Hashem made the ace, obviously it was necessary. He explains the Mamlaes, it's not enough to know that the other Shevet serves Hashem different than you. It's not enough to realize, okay, let them serve Hashem that way, I'll serve Hashem my way. Says Imam Lay's it's important that you see how the other Shaivat serves Hashem. That you see and you appreciate that the other Shaivat is serving Hashem differently than you, and it's also a way to serve Hashem, and that's what Hashem appreciates. And therefore, it's not simply enough for us to tolerate the way Ali Yidn serve Hashem. But we should celebrate it, we should appreciate it any time a person wants to go and get close to Khadish Varhu. First it comes to Shul, to get close to Tarkadosh Baruch Hu. That's something that we have to appreciate. And our job is, we have to get together. And this way, we serve them together, we'll suffer no more pain, and we'll experience the final Gula, maybe speedily in our times. You've just experienced another Torah class brought to you by TorahAnytime.com